What's up, everybody? Welcome to the State of the Lakers postgame show on Dash Radio. On After probably, this has got to be in the top two or three worst losses of the uh, LeBron AD era. What do you think? Yeah, I would I would say so. Uh, in our like season preview, when we went through all the, the teams and the start, I think I said that Oklahoma City isn't fielding a real basketball team. And yep. I still and I still kind of feel that way, even with how the game went. Uh, but yeah, this is definitely up there in the worst losses that we've had in the LeBron and AD era. And LeBron didn't play tonight, which shouldn't really matter. Uh, when you're up 30, you should be able to keep a lead. You, I feel like you have to try really hard to blow a 30-point lead to a team like this who is deliberately losing. So I, mm-hmm. I'm still trying to process. I'll let you go. I'll let you go. Still trying to process what just happened. So uh, the way that I'd look at it is this loss doesn't say anything about the larger vision of what this Laker team is in terms of the way the pieces fit in, in terms of the talent level. But what it does do to me is it reveals a certain missing, you know, metal, you know what I mean? Like that, mm-hmm. just that what, one of the things that you noticed about that 2020 Lakers team, the one that won the title was they just brought it in a certain way every night that this team has not. And it extended into that uh, 2021 season as evidenced by their defense and how well they defended despite losing LeBron and AD for massive chunks of the season. But you're primarily looking at a game like tonight as just like the kind of game that championship teams find a way to win. That doesn't mean that they can't you know, overcome this over the course of the season and find that championship medal. However, if you look at this as a little bit of a checkpoint, it's not a good start because of course there was limitations. You got three centers, six guards and Carmelo Anthony. That's what you got to work with because of injuries. And a lot of your best defensive players are all wearing suits, but Mm -hmm. you're, you have a, you have way more talent than you need to win this game. And uh, and to, to put it lightly, they completely let their foot off the gas um, after getting that 26 point lead. And then we're never able to regain control. And it's it's embarrassing. And it's uh, to me just a an example of uh, the, the kind of, you know, mental hurdle that this team's going to have to get over at some point. Yeah, I mean, like before we do these, I always try to take notes. And in that first half, you know, I was putting notes about how, like. Yeah, Russ is starting to kind of find his groove as a guy attacking the rim and all that stuff and finding some chemistry with AD. And I kind of not to throw that all out, I guess, just with how the game went. I thought that second half was awful for Russ. Like that was the epitome of bad Russ. And just thinking about it, like the Lakers kind of maybe induced those bad habits with the way the AD played. He started settling. You saw the defense absolutely drop off. Uh, Oklahoma City got whatever they wanted. I think they had 37 in the second quarter. 41 uh in the third quarter and this is not a team with like super offensive firepower but like Josh Giddy was coming off pick and rolls doing whatever he wanted and you let a team kind of get hot in that way it's really hot really tough to turn off the fire right Darius Basley I think he was shooting like 10 or 12 percent from three he got cooking as well he made a few shots so the steamroll kind of came through but I don't want to say this is nothing though like I feel like when you blow a 30 point lead to a team um, like that can stick with you now. So I'm really interested how they come out Friday and look like this may mean nothing in the grand scheme of things. I, I still think though, like this 
can't happen. I guess like when you have Russ and AD on the floor, your offense should not go through the the lulls that it does. And I was just looking at the shot quality that both of these teams were getting. Oklahoma City was running things through Shea, who I tweeted this tonight. Like Shea is good enough to where you have to give at least somewhat of a crap, right? Like Shea is yeah. that level of talent. Like Oklahoma City is a bad team. They have a lot of really young players. I said they're not fielding a real basketball team. All that's true. Shea is the real dude, though. He's the real deal. And you have to give a crap to a baseline level where the Lakers just didn't. And that kind of steamrolled. Shea got cooking. We were They started picking on Melo. I thought there was too much Melo tonight. We can get into that as well. Oh, um, they really picked on him. Uh, Shea, every time Melo was on the floor, it's a quick bring Melo up to the screen. You know, Melo goes under. And uh, it's just a quick step back three that they were just giving him. And that's his shot. Like, that's what Shea likes to get to, a step back three. And he got cooking. And once that happened, and then our offense fell off a cliff, um, and then the turnovers came from Russ. It was just, this is just a really awful game. And, like, two and three is not the end of the world. It just feels like that win in San Antonio should have been something to build off of. And now they have to kind of regain uh, that momentum again. Yeah, you know, it's funny because at the end of that game, I thought both Russ and Anthony Davis got exposed as players that have a form of offensive limitation that is something that's going to come back to haunt this team in particular on nights like tonight when LeBron can't go. Um, Russ Mm -hmm. is a god-awful jump shooter, just an awful, 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 awful jump shooter. And so when you put a guy like Lugens Dord on him, a guy who can – go underneath screens and Russ cannot physically bully a guy yeah. that's going to beat him to the spot half the time and take away the rim. And he just playing off and baiting Russ into taking jump shots. It severely limits what he's capable of doing offensively. And then I tweeted about this earlier, you know, Anthony Davis, he uses the shot that the, the type of shot that all the best players in the league use to rescue bad possessions you know, the contested fadeaway jump shot. AD uses that as bread and butter, which is just bad process. And he and, and it's something that that it's it's been hidden and masked by the fact that this team has arguably the best player in the world on it. Mm-hmm. And it's something that it's something that is is eventually going to have to be a point of emphasis for Anthony Davis. Because in that fourth quarter, ironically offense became the issue not because the laker like the laker defensive lineup that they played was horrid i i I didn't understand going with so much mellow i would have used a san antonio type approach from last night where you go big and you just count on this really young team to just pointlessly drive into your size and struggle to finish around the rim that's what i would have done but he went with mellow ironically though because of how limited oklahoma city is down that stretch of that game, the Lakers did get a lot of stops, uh, but they just could not score because every time they threw it to their best player, he was content to jab step and take a step back jump shot, uh, which again, for the best players in the world is a low percentage shot. You know, like on Mm -hmm. KD's, KD's hitting step back jump shots with hands in his face at like 45%. He's not like Anthony Davis is trying to use that as bread and butter and it's bad process. And, and, and it was one of those things where at the end of that game, you almost feel to yourself, like, how are they going to get good looks? They're going under everything on Russ and Russ can't beat Dort to the basket. And if we go to Anthony Davis, he's taking a jump shot and it's probably not going in. That was, that, that was what it came down to. And so at the end of the game, your last few offensive possessions, they're trying to 
run something for Mello or, or Monk to try to get somebody else a look because it's like the, the AD Russ action just was not working because of the fact that Russ can't shoot and Anthony Davis was too quick to settle for the jump shot. It was, it was definitely an extremely frustrating game, but at the end of the day, there's no point in evaluating a team that's, that has LeBron James on the bench because they're not winning the title anyway without LeBron. So it's, it's just one of those things where from uh, like as a, as a fan of this team over the last several years, Mm-hmm. They had a certain they had a certain characteristic about them that gave a shit more than the other teams in the league. And it led to those good habits that carried them in bad nights and helped them win a lot of basketball games. And so far, and it's early, but so far that appears to be missing. And, and so the, the next thing I wanted to talk to you about before we get into our callers and everybody get your requests in because for the rest of the show tonight, we're just going to be taking callers after uh, Raj and I dig into this one little thing. But I, this to me is part of the downside of a, of a team that feels like it, it can just outscore its opponent. And this was one of the things that we were worried about coming into the season as an identity change that would come from the moves that they made. And I, I, I'm wondering what your opinion is on this, uh, on the Lakers' lackadaisical approach to defense so far this season, because I don't think it's all about personnel. This appears to be an identity thing early on because there are enough good defenders in these lineups that they shouldn't be as bad as they have been. Oklahoma City has scored over 100 points one time this season before tonight. Like this is not a personnel issue. This is an effort and focus issue, in my opinion. So I'm wondering what your thoughts are. Yeah, well, before like I get to that, I just want to speak on your point that you said like you can't analyze this team without, without LeBron. And you're right. This team's not winning a title with LeBron, but LeBron's not going to play 48 minutes a game like they have to find units that are successful without him and like these you're absolutely is, right and this is a perfect this was a perfect game to get like a practice run where russ and ad can kind of figure things out right while winning the game comfortably at least that's what it should have turned into it should not have turned into this rock fight and, and it's interesting watching ad try to re-rev up his engine right you could tell he kind of gave his all in that first quarter and said i'm done like that that's what i'm giving you tonight that was the first quarter, and then from there, it was just a trickle-down effect. And this kind of leads to your next question there with your identity thing. I think it is some of both. I think AD has to be the defensive leader of this team, like just the way it works. And I've been saying it before, like we've traded in these defensive guards. Like you can joke about Caruso, KCP, all this stuff. We traded in defense for offense. That's what you did here. Like it's what we did this summer. Like there was no qualms about it. It's it's true. You're catering to Russ as well, this super fast-paced style. It leads to this kind of back-and-forth where – and we have these below average defenders. We're running this coverage where these guards are absolutely giving no pressure. And I talked about it last night, how I said it was no coincidence. Jaw had 40 on us. I didn't even look at the box score yet. I'm not sure what Shea had on us, but I don't think those are like coincidental. I don't think it's an accident. This is going to keep happening until we kind of get healthy here. Um, and again, pinning all this on THT or Reza Kendrick Nunn is probably an unfair way to look at it as well and these lineups are not really efficient defensively either these rondo westbrook lineups like those are all in it i think your identity question is correct too this falls on ad like he has to be the defensive anchor every single night this should be a night where you can shut down the oklahoma city thunder there's no reason they should be getting layup after layup but just our guards aren't those kind of players you see that russ and malik monk and all these other guys are trying to tag the role man it's like layups for Derek favors it's Derek Lou Dort's getting right to the basket. They're picking our Carmelo. It's just a lot of bad defense. And when our offense guys just go cold, which they did, we had 72 points. Is that right? At halftime or something mm-hmm. like that. And then we had like 
30, we had like 105 with like three minutes left in the fourth. So like we had like 30 points in the second half or something. Just like, I agree with your identity point, but I also think like these are bad defenders. Like they, and they're trying to fit into the scheme with Vogel. We're running this like drop coverage kind of scheme, but the guards are getting whatever they want. These mid range kind of guards. So I, I don't really, I don't know. This is a frustrating loss. Like this, I, I don't think it's nothing. Like, I don't think you can throw this out if if that makes sense. Like, I, I, I don't think it's, like, hampering to the season. I just – I don't think you can throw this type of game out. Russ, AD, plus, you know, competent players should be able to take down a Oklahoma City team that's literally trying to lose. No, I 100% agree. I mean, look at Golden State last night. They, yeah. they, they ran into the same problem the Lakers had today. They went down to Oklahoma City to play a basketball game against a team that is going to play a hell of a lot harder than them. Mm-hmm. And they mailed it in for almost three quarters. And then they hit the Jets, like all those teams that have that type of character do, and they got the job done. They took care of business because all they needed was to turn it on for a little stretch of this game, and they were able to pull it out, especially on the defensive end. If you look at their offense or their defensive rating in the first half compared to the second half last night, it looked like a team that was like, hey, we need to take care of business and beat Oklahoma City tonight, you know? And it's it's just... You're right. It's not something that can be discounted. As far mm-hmm. as the identity thing goes, this is this is the way I look at it. It absolutely is Anthony Davis's fault. Mm-hmm. Absolutely is, mm-hmm. because the way the way that I look at it, and this is, and for the record, when LeBron comes back, it's absolutely his responsibility as well. And the same goes for Russ. You know, you're right. The Lakers traded out some personnel for guys that have a history of not giving a shit on that end of the floor, and so there was no universe where they were going to come in to start the season and care that that, that was not going to happen. It was going to have to be a slow building fire that builds in those guys to start giving a shit about defending. And here's the thing, Anthony Davis with exception of a handful of stretches of these games has been mailing it in defensively this year for, for significant chunks of these games. And like the 80 at the five lineups last night were horrible. They were horrible compared to the, when they went big defensively i think it was like something crazy like 100 they gave up over 130 points for 100 possessions with just ad on the floor last night there's this is one of those things where the the way you got to look at it anthony is these guys aren't going to care unless you do you know like in in the past you know lebron and ad could wax and wane on that end of the floor a little bit because everyone else kind of organically through their identity as a basketball player was the kind of person who would give give that level of effort. But th- it's not going to happen with this group. If you want Mello and Malik Monk and and all of and all of these, you know, limited, you know, offensive oriented guards and offensive oriented players to start giving that extra effort on that end of the floor, it's going to be because Anthony Davis and LeBron James and Russell Westbrook are selling their souls on that end of the floor to get stops. And and the reality of the situation is both of these games ended up being incredibly close, tough, physical games at the end. And these are the kinds of games that you need to avoid. You need to take care of business against these teams and beat them by 10, 15 points so that Anthony Davis isn't doubled over on the baseline, clutching at his knee because on a critical rebound at the end of a game, somebody on the other other team just jammed his knee into the side of his knee. That's what happens in these super physical crunch time games. You need to take care of business. It will it will come back to you physically. Yes, you'll have to give more effort, but it's the kind of thing that allows you to sit the fourth quarter tonight so that you get rest. And so I, all, all I'm saying is like, 
yes, these guys are limited, but we, we need to put a good percentage of this blame on the three stars for coasting on that end of the floor, because that inherently is going to trickle down to all the other players. And it's just, it's just, it's, it's frustrating for me because again, like, do you understand how bad you have to be to let Oklahoma city score that many points? (laughs) (laughs) Man, Josh Giddy looked like, I don't even know, like a mix of like Dame and Steph or whatever tonight, like just coming off pick and rolls. Like we had no answer and he was just picking on our defense. I'm going to get like 80, I don't know, like maybe he was just load managing through the game, but it was definitely frustrating. And it's not like he's in super defensive, like great defensive lineups either. I guess like these lineups aren't great defensively. And that's kind of the line I'm trying to like cross here between like we have a bunch of really bad defenders. We also have our guys not buying in as well. Like I thought like that second that second and third quarter from Russ, it was just super erratic, right? Like I felt like he was mm-hmm. trying to play hard, but like he got in this mode and you could tell he was kind of feeling it in Oklahoma City and it just got kind of crazy on both ends on defense as well. I thought he was going really hard, but it just led to these like really easy shots for OKC. So like, yeah, this is a really terrible loss. We're about to go through this stretch, though, where we play all these bad teams. So, like, this is just the really first one. I guess San Antonio is a bad team as well. Uh, I just think they play at a baseline level enough to where they're not going to get blown out every game. But Oklahoma City is a bad game, bad team. Cleveland, we play next, which is actually a, Cleveland's good. Cleveland's they, a good team. Like, <laughs> yeah, Mobley they will beat the Lakers if they don't bring it. Exactly, Mobley's legit. Like, he's a legit player. He's been playing great. So, like, that's a team you have to you have to come with your A game for. Like, you just and that's what they're gonna have to do so hopefully this is just one that they get out of the way this is really frustrating though and uh, it can stay with you though like if this, this is something that can stay with you you can become a team that blows like blows leads you know what i mean like if, if you let it mm-hmm. so hopefully on friday they kind of pick this up and, and and it just takes one to to kind of reverse the yeah trend, you know what i mean I, it's for sure i'm a big believer in those things getting in the back of your head you know like mm-hmm. really cold really cold shooting was something that got in the back of the heads of the lakers last year and and it became an issue or uh, you know, it, it, the, you know, the Clippers, the Clippers used to have like a little bit of a weird mental edge, like that Christmas day game that they blew in that first season, you mm-hmm. know, but you just have to take care of business once to change that. It all, all it takes is like you beat Cleveland on Friday in a, in a, in a game that's going to probably be pretty tough. Although I hope LeBron comes back cause they need, they, they, this team needs him. And then, and then you're going to go back and play Oklahoma city again and play Houston twice. And if you roll those three games by 20, 30 points, that can reverse the psyche of something like what happened tonight. It's just you're always looking for these specific hurdles and check boxes along that championship pathway. And there are a bunch of them that I'm looking for with this team, like chemistry, like consistent effort, like caring about the defensive end of the floor. And it's been rough so far. And again, it's only been five games, so I don't want to take too much stock in it, but if you're asking me to evaluate the character, the championship character of this team through five games, even with the injuries, it's not pretty so far. Doesn't mean that it's the end of the world. Just means it needs to be addressed. And, mm-hmm. and I'm hoping, I'm hoping, and I, and you know, one of my favorite things about LeBron for all of his weaknesses as a leader in when things are bad, because he has a tendency to, you know, pout and be passive aggressive and do those kinds of things when, when he's on teams that don't really have a chance to win. When LeBron is on a team that has legitimate championship opportunity, he's the best guy you could have in the locker room. He gets it. He knows what the journey is like. He understands what can undercut a team like that. He gets it. And so I'm hopeful 
that LeBron's reading the tea leaves here and identifies what needs to change for this group to start to hit those hurdles and to start to check those boxes. So I'm a, I, I am optimistic. But Raj, you want to get our first caller up there? Yeah, let me see. Yeah, hopefully LeBron can play Friday. We've got a uh, two two games off here, and hopefully that ankle's rested up and he's able to go. Uh, but I agree with you. Like they can fix this. It's just uh, this this one's gonna leave a bad taste in the mouth for a little while. Mm-hmm. All right, it says it's connecting. I'm still trying to get used to the. Uh, <laughs> Twitter spaces. Um, and remember, guys, when they bring you up, it's muted. So you got to unmute yourself before you start talking. All right, I got two people here. Let's see who connects first, and we'll we'll go with them. Appreciate everyone kind of coming out on this uh, terrible loss. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? We can hear you. What's Mr. going Joe, on, Joe? How's it going, man? Hey, how's it going, guys? I caught like the uh, fourth quarter, but man, um, just got a question for you all. Uh, so we're year three of AD and LeBron. This should be the shift where AD is actually the one who's kind of leading the charge. But unfortunately, fellas, I, I just, I just, this guy, I just, I'm fearful for the organization once LeBron leaves because this guy has not shown any type of. He hadn't shown me anything that that says that he's going to be the one that's going to lead this franchise. I just I am just perplexed by this guy. And I don't want to, you know, think long term because I know we're in the season. But, man, I just I just don't see it, guys. And it's got me concerned. You know, it's tough because I don't want to I don't want to start trying to paint a picture about a guy's whole uh, uh, persona and, and, and what he's capable of based on one specific circumstance. That said, I mean, I'm more worried about Anthony Davis as a future centerpiece in the sense that he has shown that he needs to be set up. Like he right. is not a primary initiator in a league where all of the best players are primary initiators. And so that becomes a significant shortfall. So from that standpoint, Inevitably, Rob Polinka and Jeannie Buss are going to keep him surrounded by really cerebral basketball players who can uh, get him set up for success. And inevitably, the team is going to take on a certain amount of the persona of that person, whoever that primary initiator is. However, the one thing that I would be concerned with AD is like, this is a guy that Laker fans have consistently preached is the best defensive player in the league, right? Raj, you and I both believe that. Right. We think we think Anthony Davis is the best defender in the league. We think he's capable of winning multiple defensive players of the year, but his peers, the Embiid's of the world, the Giannis's of the world, the Ben Simmons of the world, they every single night go out there and put their physical imprint on the game as a defender, and Anthony Davis does it when he feels like it. And so from that standpoint, like I'm not worried about any of the uh, like anything outside of that. The Lakers will be fine as soon as Anthony Davis identifies and understands his responsibility as the defensive linchpin of this team. And, and once he gets that year in and year out, then, I mean, he's 28 years old. And this guy's the limit. You can have seven straight years of this team being right in the thick of things. But uh, he just needs to understand the, the power and the responsibility that comes with being who he is. 
and and what he's capable of when he actually tries to put his physical imprint on the game. Yeah, and I've heard this like question a lot, and I really don't even want to think about like life after LeBron <laughs> already. Like LeBron has shown really no signs of it really slowing down at all, like any signs of dropping as a player to me. So I, I really want to go with that. Thinking about AD as number one option, like he's always going to need to be set up. He's not Nikola Jokic, right, where you can just give him the ball at the top of the key and have your offense kind of run through him with players running around. Like that's just not the player he is. But you can build a team around AD. You you just find another shot creator, and you're not going to find another one as good as LeBron probably. There's only one LeBron ever. Uh, but you can still build a team around him and his defensive skills. And uh, like in 2019 when, he, when AD came here, his first year, he was that defensive monster every night though like this wasn't some every other night kind of thing and maybe that's just the way this season has started or how the defenders are this year but the whole point again of bringing Russ if you remember one of our like talking points of positives of bringing Russell Westbrook guy of his his type of tenacity every night was to push AD right that was the whole kind of point of this like was like Russ's every night energy is supposed to kind of transfer over to AD and we've seen that in spurts in here and there but that should be something that's every night and maybe that's another thing that takes time as well but yeah like think about AD as the best player on the team like that's just not where we are yet like it's just not LeBron's still the best player which is crazy in year 19 but it is it is what it is I really don't want to think about that dropping off um but yeah that but AD has to be better for sure like he needs to this needs to be an every night defensive thing this team doesn't have enough defensive talent to make up if he's not hundred percent every night and you saw what happened tonight there's teams a million times better than okc uh that will run you out of the gym uh, it, if he doesn't all you right know, appreciate it guys thank you. A, yeah joe thank you so much for hopping on man we appreciate it and just to piggyback on what rogers is saying like that that it, it, who's anthony davis's peer the one that we all measure him against Giannis, right that's the guy mm-hmm. you know lebron lebron we measure against maybe Giannis and kevin durant you know maybe even steph depending on who you ask and uh, and Kawhi, but you know, the guy that everybody measures Anthony Davis against is Giannis. And there are two factors with the two of them that are massive differentiators. Giannis has put the time in to become gifted enough with his ball handling ability and his floor vision to bring the ball up the floor and to initiate offense. He can run a pick and roll as the ball handler. He can break the guy down consistently 10, 15 times a game from the perimeter Anthony Davis is far more gifted as a ball handler than most centers. But if you watch him compared to Giannis, he just doesn't have that level of comfort to stare a guy in the face, hit him with a move 10, 15 times in a game and, and get and, and create stuff from the perimeter. And then secondly, it's that consistent night in and night out effort. Giannis is just, it, it reminds me of young LeBron in the, in the way that he just every single night, regardless of who he's playing is going to make his physicality felt by everybody on the floor and leave that imprint. And so what's disappointing is coming off of last year where everybody could make the excuses that Anthony Davis, you know, had a rough, uh, uh, had a rough quick turnaround from the bubble and he needed to kind of ease his way into the season. Well, that's not the case this year. You had plenty of time off. You're healthy. You're, you're the guy everybody measures you against just dropped 50 in game six. And now he has the finals MVP trophy. Like, what's your move, man? Show me what you got. Like, I think it's okay to ask him that, especially as someone who fancies himself as one of the top tier stars in the league, you know? Yep. I agree with that. And for the most part, I think AD has been pretty good to start this season. Like I think tonight was a slow one, uh, but like for the most part, I thought he's, he's played well, but yeah, it has to be every night. Cause this team just can't, 
can't survive without him. And when he came out of the game tonight, like, I guess my, well, I'll let Dom kind of speak. What's up, Dom? But like, we've seen, we've seen like AD play the five a lot tonight, but it's all next to Carmelo, which is just a really strange lineup thing that I guess we can get into mm-hmm. a little later. But Dom, what's up, man? What's up, Raj? What's going on? Hey, Dom. Man, I don't, I don't know, man. I feel, I feel, this, I think this was the first game where I felt really frustrated, but like, Trying to put into perspective, all right, second night of back-to-back, we had, like, what, nine available players, three centers, six. So we had ten. Not bad. I think it was frustrating because you could just explicitly, like, towards the end, last three minutes of the second quarter, they just, like, took, you know, they, they just lost focus. They just stopped playing. And it, it seemed like they were kind of like expecting, like, you know what, this is done. Like, we were up 70-44. They they're a young team. They, they, they would just, like, kind of, like, go through the motions, as you know, like, like us. And, like, part of me is, like, you know, this is kind of like a deserving loss of them. It kind of, like, it, it's like a humbling loss, you know what I'm saying? But, like, I, I think part of my frustration is, like, I did not expect a team full of veterans, full of future Hall of Famers that need to be helped by the basketball gods, you know? And I think Jason made a really good point about AD was like, all right, you were affected by the fact that people were like, you see all this slander, you know, through the going on this summer, you see people putting Giannis above you, even though you just literally won a championship and arguably could have been the finals MVP. And, you know, even though he has looked good physically, you know, I mean, given t- tonight, maybe he was tired. I mean, understandably so. Second night of a back-to-back coming off an overtime game against the Spurs where he played 40 minutes. But, like, I don't know. It, 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 I, I tweeted this. I was like, the defense smiles every time he takes, like, a low percentage jump shot. And I don't know because, like, I, I just didn't get, like, why he just went away from attacking the rim where he had so much success the entire first half. And the thing is, he wasn't even doing so much the entire first half when he was attacking the rim. He would literally just, you know, step through, spin move, dribble a couple times, hook shot. He was making all of them, kept catching lobs, catching easy dump offs. So I was like, like, what happened? <laughs> you know, but I don't know. I think long term, this should kind of like, I guess, humble them or sharpen them a little bit. But yeah, that's, that's where my head is at right now. I agree with everything you're saying. I mean, you need to have something that um, that is kind of like a wake up call that 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 establishes the need to fix your problems, right? Like, you know, there's if you play six or seven good teams in a row, you're just going to lose a lot if you have bad habits, and so inherently you're going to find a way to get something going to help you win games. Well, with uh, uh, with a game like tonight, if anything, if there's one silver lining, it's so bad that it's kind of like a slap in the face and something that it, you can't look yourself in the mirror and pretend like there's not a problem anymore. And so I'm hoping that that's kind of turns into a galvanizing, uh, turns into a galvanizing force for this team. Too, yep. like, cause like some of those games, like the Warriors and Suns, mm-hmm. like those are games that you could learn from, you know, cause like obviously Warriors and Suns, they have been continuity. They've been running their system for God knows how many years now. But this is like a game where you just like, 
you just throw away because like you, you you basically just lost it and that, i feel like rather than like watching film it, i think it's like what you said it's more of like a self-reflection all right like for, for all of them even even the coaches because i really like what jason tweeted like i think we were we 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 were down one and then um okc had the ball and we were looking for a i think it's like one minute left or less than a minute left and we were looking for a stop and then they took a timeout and i was really surprised that Melo, as poor as he was shooting the entire game and he was being hunted and then somebody even said that Josh Giddy was giddying every time he sees Melo in front of him. <laughs> so so I, I was surprised. Vogel, he had Bradley, Reeves, and even Dwight. I think I, I thought Dwight or Brad or Reeves would have been a better choice, but he stuck with Melo on there. What what we're trying to get stop? And so I was just like, why? Like you know, it's there's so many. I don't know if you know there's so many mistakes both from the players and coaches. I think. Yeah, I said it before. It's a lot of mellow, and, and Vogel really doesn't have a choice, though. We don't really have any other power forwards. And again, it's like it's why you see AD play the five, and it's really just mellow at the four next to him. Even when it's LeBron out there, it's LeBron, mellow, and, and AD. So, but yeah, really, really rough night. I think you said a bunch of correct things, Don. On your point about AD's like settling for jump shots, I think part of that is also playing like with bigs, like the paint is packed, um, and it gets he gets induced and gets baited into taking jumpers russ has a very similar issue i feel like russ took every single bait tonight that oklahoma city gave him uh every single three that uh that they went under the screen he decided to take it that one late in the game that three uh, i don't remember if it was in the corner or something but they're just flying under his screens and he took every bait tonight second half i feel like was all the total bad russ that you're gonna get right i thought the first quarter he was pretty okay getting assists and all that stuff and the second half you saw kind of the totality of what can happen uh, when it goes wrong, I mean, that's just when the team uh, is doing all these bad habits. It kind of induces Russ into his bad game as well. I'm not sure, but we're going to learn more as as the season goes. But yeah, this was a this was a rough night. Just to like, you know, Dom, Dom, you calling out that play was interesting. That uh, uh, you know, when you have a, a shortage of timeouts, you can't mm-hmm. do offense defense subs because you need to make sure that you're properly equipped for the following possession. But on that play, with less than a minute left, down by one, absolutely positively need a stop, two timeouts remaining, I literally can't think of a single reason why Frank didn't do an offensive defensive sub. It was confusing to me. And I mean, part about that too is before that play, OKC was the one to call a timeout, so which means we still had a timeout. You know what I'm saying? We had two. We had two timeouts. We had two Two timeouts timeouts. left. There we go. And there were 50 seconds left. So in theory, you could have you could have gotten the stop, retained possession somewhere around 30, 35 seconds, called the timeout, made a substitution to get Melo back on the floor, and then inevitably you have that one last timeout remaining. Should you not be able to get a stop and have to intentionally foul? so that you can use it to advance the ball, you know, with 10, eight seconds left, whatever. It just, it was, it was really confusing for me. And, and you know, I, you, you can, it's really easy with every coach in the NBA to nitpick the two or three things every night that are confusing. So I'm not, you guys know, I'm one of the biggest Frank fans out there. Um, but I was just confused that that to me was a golden opportunity because that little pick and roll play they ran, uh, trying to tag favors on the backside. If that's Dwight Howard uh, guarding the action and Anthony Davis tagging the roller, it's just not going to work. Like you're going to get a stop. So I just, 
I, I just thought it was that was one mistake that might have given the Lakers the better chance to win the game. But it, even if even if they would have stolen this game, I mean, come on, guys, these are all still problems. You know what I mean? That, that it would have been fool's gold. And just, you know, if they would have managed to pull that game out, you know what I mean? There was two and a half quarters of bad process there to end that one. Hey man, just, I just want to say, I'm not like, an, I don't want to sound like an anti-AD or like, a, you know, like I'm not here. <laughs> I just want to, you know, it's just like really frustrating. I think this, this, uh, tonight, I think AD's play, specifically the second half, it just made me feel bad for calling Powell soft, like back in 08. <laughs> and, <laughs> so I was like, oh shoot, like I, I gotta take that back. No, but like, no, I'm pretty sure like, like I've had, like how AD have done before, I'm pretty sure this, this Friday, you're gonna, you know, he's gonna have a bounce back game and um, a lot of things iron out. I really like what you said there. Like, more of this is self reflection, you know, like, cause mm-hmm. tonight's game, I don't even throw that tape. For sure. And, and, you know, and Anthony Davis, look, man, like, first of all, you gotta understand what our job is, right? Like, not just as fans, but as analysts and people who watch the game, like, you know, we're, we're, no one's paying us to, to post bail for people. You know what I mean? Like there's no reason for us to not tell it the way we see it. At the same time, we have to have a certain amount of understanding and, 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 you know, uh, empathy for what these guys have to put up with on a day in day out basis. But here's the reality of the situation, Anthony Davis, you are considered a top tier superstar by the vast majority of people. So there's a certain level of, you know, standard that comes with that. You know, and, and like if you want to be the guy that gets cut a ton of slack every time he goes out and has a rough night against a bad team and loses, then you can go hang out with the dudes that are in the 15 to 20 range in the NBA. You know what I mean? Like this is this is what comes with being the guy on a team that has championship aspirations. Like if you mail it in and against a team that literally hasn't scored over 100 points but once all season and you mail it in like you, some criticism is going to come your way. That's part of being. Anthony freaking Davis, the guy that can go give 40 and 20 anytime he wants. You know what I want? You know what I mean? Like uh, to me, to me, it's fair criticism. For sure. And we've seen him do it. Like it was again, last year, I kind of throw away as this anomaly year, but like in 2019, 2020, it was every night. And that's the kind of AD I expected this season. And I thought he started the season actually pretty well. Um, Tonight was just a really, a really bad game for pretty much the whole team as well. I don't want to throw it all onto AD as well. I thought Russ was just really awful in the second half, but it's on him. You're right uh, to play defense that way, and he can. He should be in the running for defensive player of the year every year, and that's that's a talent he has. I, I say he's a top five player, top five talent uh, when he's right, when he's on, and that's that's what they need from him, especially with LeBron out. Like This was a game where they needed him to kind of put his foot on the gas, and he really just didn't. It was step-back jumper. Some of them went in, but you could just tell. It was just there was no aggression there, and uh, that's it led to this this loss. Mm-hmm. Thanks for coming on, Dom. It was good to hear from you, Appreciate man. Appreciate you guys, man. Appreciate you guys. Uh, let's see. I'll try to go through these a little quicker here. Carmelo actually, just uh, while we're waiting for it to connect, Carmelo is one for 12 from three the last two games, by the way. Um, he, he left that. You could have. That was what, two feet short on that game time yeah. shot? Like he completely alligator, alligator armed it. That was rough. Yeah, but that's Carmelo. You have him out there, he's going to shoot. Like it's mm-hmm. he's going to be himself unapologet- unapologetically. Um, what's going on, man? Uh, I think, is it LeBron 23? Yeah, what's up, guys? 
What's going hey, on? How's it going? So, I mean, I just want to talk about more about Frank Vogel more than the players themselves because certain decisions he's made this season just don't make much sense to me. Um, and and it goes with like even you know even though we gave up twenty six point lead at the end of the game we had multiple timeouts to draw something up to get a better shot and it ended up being Ross taking a, a long free or um Monk having an isolation at the top at the top of the three point line and then jacking up a free. These these are not like good plays that are drawn up. And then also defensively, I feel like the rosters took a, a step back and then you know, I get what you guys are saying about AD defensively, maybe not being as locked in as he was or has been the last couple of years. But I feel um, the personnel in this roster don't suit what Frank likes to do defensively because pretty much all the guards are getting crushed on screens and all of a sudden you're leaving the big, whether it's Dwight or AD or DJ, in a situation where he has to guard a guy that's coming up probably to pull up for a jump shot or guard the big. And we saw um, yesterday the Spurs centre went off for like 24 points or 27 points and I think that was his career high. Um, like Stuff like that I don't think was going ha- was happening last season or even in the first season with AD in LA. So I just want to you know, get your guys' thoughts on Frank Vogel more because I think he's doing a really bad job as a coach so far this year. And obviously it's just five games but I think he really needs to improve what he's doing on both ends because also running lineups with Ross and Rondo in the backcourt is not a good offensive lineup in 2021. So I just want to get you guys thoughts on that. So I want, I want to defend Frank a little bit here for a minute. Uh, uh, he, first of all, he has not been perfect. I mentioned, uh, I mentioned the mistake that he made tonight in my opinion. And then I thought some of his lineup decisions, particularly against golden state were, were genuinely confusing. Uh, but he's kind of in between a rock and a hard place here. Uh, the, when you look at who's healthy on this roster, it's not really, uh, you're not going to be able to run traditional basketball lineups, you know, the way that, especially in the modern NBA, the way that they're supposed to be put together. He's kind of just sticking stuff together with duct tape, trying to survive until THT and Kendrick Nunn and LeBron James can come back. So I, I do want to cut him some slack on that side of things. As far as offense goes, in terms of like play design, that's never been his specific strength relative to his peers. He's, he's never going to be Brad Stevens. That's not who he is. But what he is, in my opinion, is by far the best defensive coach in basketball. He, that's what he brings to the table. And the way that this whole Laker formula is designed to work is like, hey, like Frank, you're running things on the defensive end. And LeBron, you're running things on the offensive end. That's how it works. Now, you, when, you, when we look at actions and, and really complex you know, uh, play design, that kind of thing has a certain amount of value. It does. I don't want to undercut that. However, when it comes to the postseason at the highest level of basketball, when you're playing the very best defenses that are most likely going to be switching everything, little cute actions here and there and baseline out of bound play designs and stuff coming out of timeouts, the, the value of those kinds of things falls off a cliff because of the, uh, the, uh, any disciplined defense at that point in the season is going to take away the type of easy shots that those are supposed to develop. And that's where a guy like LeBron becomes immensely valuable. And a guy like Anthony Davis becomes immensely valuable because it becomes about matchups and it becomes about 
gaining advantages in one-on-one or two-on-two situations so that you can try to claw out some easy shots against a really good defense. And so from that standpoint, like if this is not, this is not the, the setting where you're going to see Frank bring his value. Frank's value comes from bringing the very best out of this roster defensively when they actually have their pieces and carrying them to the point where LeBron can out execute teams in the half court in the playoffs when the trophy's on the line. And so I'm in that standpoint, like I just don't think it's fair to measure Frank, uh, you know, for not for what he's not brought here for, if that makes sense. And Frank, Frank has always had like really confusing lineups. If you remember that first year he played, uh, Rondo with LeBron a bunch and it kind of made our head scratch. And I said over the summer, we were definitely going to get Rondo Westbrook lineups. And maybe that's just a situation that had to come from injuries. Uh, but it's what we're getting right now. And I, I don't think he's going to switch up his defense. Like he's going to, he's going to play this style. He's playing the two bigs. And again, maybe that's the right decision. Maybe it's not, but he's going to be himself. He won a title kind of doing that. And uh, yeah, these guards aren't great for his system for sure, but he's going to stick with it. This is the system, the defensive system that he wants to run. And he's going to have his players adjust to that, not adjust, I guess, to the personnel. And I think if you wait for the guys to get healthy, THG, um, Ariza, even like Kendrick Nunn, those guys kind of fit better. Uh, but again, right now, those like our guards, uh, like you said, are dying on these screens, and these guards are these offensive guards are getting uh, whatever they want. But I, I just can't blame Frank Go- Frank Vogel for a team losing a thirty point lead. Like that's to me, that's on your superstars. Like that's on like the guys on the floor um, killing the moment- momentum of the other team. Like I just can't go to blame like Frank Vogel for that I guess he had questionable lineups I agree with you that last play where we needed the three and we just literally gave it to Malik Monk at the top of the key and said do something like I was shocked that was the play we ran uh but but yeah like to me I, I can't put too much of this on Vogel I agree with like what, what a lot of what you guys are saying but I think this year is a, it's a bit different than the last two years because the roster is so different because before we had you know Danny Green KCP Caruso, Dennis Schroeder, these guys are defensive guards that are going to stay in front of their man every time. And obviously we don't have all our, our guys back and it's only, what, five games into the season so you can't really make too many conclusions at this point. But I, I don't know, I'm just a bit worried that he's kind of not really the coach for this specific roster. And, and that's not to say that he won't be successful or anything, but I just think like, you know, we, we brought in a lot more offense and lost a lot of defense, especially on the perimeter. Um, compared to last season and even comparing the rosters to the first season of Vogel in LA. So I don't know, I'm just a bit worried that he's not really the coach for this team specifically, but it is just five, five games and obviously we're going to get some guys back. Um, so hopefully I'll just be like ironed out throughout the season. But I'm, I'm also just a bit worried about the fit of Ross as well, because especially today, some of the turnovers and some of the shots that he was taking, these are things that I didn't think he you know would happen playing alongside two stars but I guess we'll have to see how that goes as well throughout the season when we end up in a big playoff series and it's LeBron at the top of the key breaking down the defense and you've got advanced closeout attackers like Malik Monk like Kendrick Nunn like you know uh, uh, THT making plays off of the advantages that they're creating through getting double teams and getting ahead of scene towards the rim this is all going to make a lot more sense Uh, right now I get why it can get discouraging all I'm saying is like this, this roster and this coaching staff, this is all built in a way that is more advantageous in the playoffs. And so I do, I do want to 
Uh, I'm not discounting everything that you're saying. I, I, to be clear, I'm just saying that I, I disagree. But uh, uh, we got we got five more minutes, so we're going to get two more quick ones and then call it a night. Thanks for hopping on, man. We appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, Diallo, are you there? Yep, yep, yep. I'm here. What's going on, How's man? How's it going, man? I'm good. I'm good. Look, I, I was kind of flipping back and forth between the Hawks game um, and the Lakers game. And <clears throat> I will have to say this, man, and kind of responding to what he was saying about Frank Vogel. Look, I feel like the offense, his offensive schemes are really not good, in my opinion. Way too many times I see a Lakers game and it's literally just throw the ball into the post to AD and have him do a fadeaway shot or throw it into the post to LeBron and he does a fadeaway shot when everyone else is just kind of standing there and looking. And then, you know, when the shooters end up going cold and they're not a But we lost you for a second, yeah, man. Yeah. Are you there? But, uh, Diallo, we did kind of discuss this earlier in the pod. This uh, this whole show will be on our podcast feed shortly after. But, yeah, we, talked, we just talked uh, a little bit ago about, you know, Frank and what his offensive strengths are and what his defensive strengths are. And he's just not going to beat Brad Stevens. It's just not – it's not, you know, what he does for this specific group. But he, is, he does bring strengths, and I actually think it's a good fit. And I think, I think Raj agrees. But let's get let's get one more caller and call it a night. Yep, I agree. Frank Vogel's never gonna be this super crazy offensive uh minded coach. He's gonna rely on his defense and that's that's one in the title, so that's what he's gonna stick yep. to. All right, uh let's see. Hayden, are you there? Yeah, hello. What's going on? Hayden, what's up, man? Uh, you know, I'm I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. That was <laughs> that was a uh miserable second quarter well third quarter on really the second quarter was all right but I don't know um I kind of like y'all said at some point you got to put the blame on AD kind of like Raj said you got to put the blame on AD and Russ as superstars when you're up 30 and a team is starting to claw back into the game especially one that's not that great Mm-hmm. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta put the game away. And I just defensively, Russ is never going to be locked down. Obviously, um, he'll get those random steals where he jumps a pass lane and gets a dunk, but that falls on AD just being more consistent full time on that end. Um, I don't know if it's because he's saving himself for offense while LeBron is out, but at a certain point, I just felt like he needed to take over. And like you guys said, he kind of settled for jump shots and didn't really attack, you know, Darius Baisley and all these guys that he should have a pretty easy field day getting to the rim, being aggressive. And I felt like he didn't really do that. So I guess just kind of bouncing off of what they were talking about earlier. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, we, yeah. we agree, man. We're on the, we're on the same page. I mean, 
one of the beautiful things about the LeBron AD fit is the fact that LeBron kind of makes up for some of Anthony Davis's yeah. shortcomings. You know, they complement yeah. each other, right? And and obviously LeBron makes uh, LeBron is complemented very well by Anthony Davis. Him being a, a big mm-hmm. guy can stretch the floor. Him being a guy that can hold down a lot of the defensive responsibilities. Like they, yep. they're the two of them fit extremely well. And one of the things that I noticed a lot in the championship season, if you guys remember, especially in the playoff run, you'd have these games where Anthony Davis would mail in the first half in a playoff game, yep. you know, and you'd, yep. you'd look up at the middle of the second quarter and uh, you know, and Anthony Davis would have like, you know, six points and four rebounds yep. and, and, and two turnovers. And you're like, what in the world's going on? And, and all he's doing is taking jump shots when he gets the ball. But what would happen is, he became the guy who would always bounce back and have a monstrous second half because in those first halves, when things were sloppy, LeBron seemed to read the tea leaves and put his foot on the gas and carry the yep. team. And, and so the two of that, you know, it almost became like one of those things where Anthony Davis would snap out of his funk because he knew his partner in crime was laying it on the line to win the game. And, and, and then there were games where LeBron would go cold in the second half and Anthony Davis would, finally snap in and, and, and make some big plays. And so they complement each other well, but I think, I think that in a setting like this, when LeBron's not out there with them, it's just tough for Anthony Davis to, to, to get the motor to try to, to, to win the game consistently compared to some of his peers. He, his motor, his motor is not going to turn on by itself. Like him, he's not going to turn on his motor if he's the only one that has, do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, if, if absolutely. No one, He's not a self-starter. He's not a self-starter is the expression. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, there you go. What uh, do you think, Raj? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, I thought tonight, like, I thought in the first quarter, he, he had, like, what, I think 12 points um, by the end of the first quarter or he something. early. For yeah, sure. and he was getting to the basket. But then he, the Lakers went up, like, 20. You could see him kind of just mm-hmm. put the foot off the gas, right, and try to go into this little chill mode and load manage during the game. And you saw in that third, him trying to re uh, re rev that engine up, like re try to get at it. It just wasn't there, and maybe it was because of a second night to back to back, whatever it is. Um, but he tried to, and it just wasn't wasn't there for him. And Russ tried to do his own his own thing, and that kind of led to the erratic play from him and all the turnovers and the bad shots and the jump shots uh, that you know he shouldn't be taking. It was just like a when it rains it pours kind of thing, and then the Thunder started to get hot. Right, they started to make everything. I think they went like seven for 10 or something from three in that quarter. So it was just an avalanche that they kind of hid. But yeah, you're right. You kind of have to stop that bleeding before like the blood just goes everywhere, right? Like you kind of have yeah, to cut yeah. that off and, and they just didn't tonight. But um, they have another chance uh, on Friday and uh, and we'll, we'll see if they go. get a win. Mm. Hey, hey, Hayden, we're going to call it a night, but thank you so much yeah, for hopping on. Man. We're going we're gonna to go again on Friday night. Come, come bring your thoughts again. Everybody, thank you guys so much for your support. Uh, This will be on our podcast feed here in about a half hour. It'll also air on Dash Radio tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. And the game on Friday, I believe, is a 7.30 start. So plan on right around 10 o'clock Pacific Standard Time for our next show. Raj and I, again, sincerely appreciate you guys for being on this journey with us. And we'll see you then. Appreciate it, everyone. Thank you.